Hi guys, I'm Kezia Malum and I was just on Jess Finesse present. Jess, Jess Finesse, you're my Jess Finesse. Hey baby, what's good, what's poppin'? If you don't ask the question, then it's not Jess Finesse. So, white or yellow, Gary? Ah, uh, yellow, Gary. I said I like this video. I said I like this. <laughs> yeah, it's class. But you have to walk up some stairs. Everything was oh, class. I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yes. They, you it was a concert. Yeah. We, I planned the concert. I literally... <laughs> you, you heard them on speed out? Literally. Dog is out in air. My dog is out in air. Give me the pandemic. Yes, Finesse presents... Baby, what's good? What's popping? Um, it's your girl Jess, popularly known as Jess Finesse, and if you can hear my voice, then you should know by now that you are tuned in to Jess Finesse Presents. So I'm going to start off by clapping for myself, because if I don't clap for myself, who going to clap for me? You don't need no outside validation. As long as you are self-assured, as long as you have the big man upstairs by your side, and you have a core support system, you'll be good as a hustling creative in this nasty nasty world anyway it's another wretched monday in this wretched country what's popping it will still be wretched until money enters my account to stop me from saying it's wretched um this week is a very special week it's a special week for for a couple special reasons so for if you're just joining me today this don't apply to you but for those that of y'all that have been like on this journey for a while now since like the first episode of season two today is a season finale of just finesse presents um i can't even lie okay yeah, I'm sad, I'm sad, I'm sad. But I'm also, I'm also ready for this break. I beg. I'm, I have like 10 hustles I'm doing. So if I could just take a little baby break from this one hustle to focus on the other eight, you know, make a little, make a few bags and then come back for season three, refreshed, rejuvenated, account fat, I'll be a happy camper. So today's the last episode um, of season two. Um, I'm so happy that I made it this far. And it's so freaking awesome to end the season with a very special guest. Now, all my guests are special. They're all special in their own very special way. But this guest is super special um, because, first of all, she's a woman. Uh, she's talented. She's an artist. And she's also a returnee like me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, people of the world, I don't care what you identify as. Just don't be 18, don't be 17 and below because we cuss on here. Actually, I don't I don't know if it's supposed to be 18 and below because 17 year olds and 16 year olds are area, great area. Just mature audiences only, I guess. I don't really know. Um, welcome the one, the only Kez. Hi. Let's do I'm gonna do for you. Gunshot, <laughs> I'm gonna do for you. <laughs> then I'm gonna clap for you. Thank welcome you, to the show, thank baby. You, thank you. Thank What's you. What's popping? I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 honored. Like, Jess already knows. I'm a big fan. Like, she already knows. So. Oh, see, I'm going to allow you wine me. I'm going to allow you wine because <laughs> the last season, this is the last show of the season. Okay? Um, You know what's really funny? Let's do this. So, right before we turn on, like, the cameras and the lights and the mics, right? We were talking about when it's your one-year anniversary of you living in Lagos, <laughs> you know, hustling in this Lagos, that you're going to make an announcement of five things that you should not do. What's five things you should um, learn? Five things I've learned since five I moved things, in. Five lessons you've learned yeah, since yeah, yeah, yeah. moving back to this wretched country <laughs> and living in this chaotic but amazing city of Lagos, right? Yeah. And you said that the first lesson that you've learned is... Let me do drum roll. Okay. Don't lend your stuff to anybody. Don't lend your stuff. See, first of all, <laughs> I second, I third, I fourth that. But before I just agree, just, you know... <laughs> blatantly agree 
can you give context as to why you've learned this very vital lesson? Okay, okay, okay. And give us nuance. Before they say you're a stingy, akagum person, give them context. Well, since I've moved here, one thing I've seen is that people don't value your stuff like that. They don't. <laughs> like, people don't value your belongings. Trigger. And the reason, the reason why I actually said I was going to do that list and put it on Twitter is just like, in advance, so that people will see it on Twitter and they will know in advance not to approach me and be like, oh, can I borrow? Because I'm not good with being assertive sometimes. I'm learning. I'm, you know, practicing that. But I just needed people to know in advance that if, you, if you're looking to borrow my stuff, my equipment, and you're not my guy, 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 and even that, even if you're my guy, so if I, need, I need proof that you're going to, like, really protect it. If, it's, if you're not there, then don't ask me. Okay, so you said, you said the word equipment. So, and mm-hmm. you're an artist. So are you mm-hmm. saying that this rule only applies to like music industry, like music stuff? Like, can you borrow your clothes to your girlfriend, like to your babe? I can't. Like your, your, <laughs> your woman friend who needs an outfit to go to DNA or something. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about specifically when it comes to music and its work? Because it seems like this is geared towards music and it seems like you have a lot of instances why this is happening. <laughs> you don't have to name nobody's name. No, no, no. Like, just, <laughs> like oh, see. Music, my music equipment is a priority to me because I'm I'm not even like big on fashion or clothes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's calm. I'm not saying you can come use my clothes anyhow and do anyhow. But right. when it comes to my music equipment, I do not play like because I know how much I spent on my equipment over mm-hmm. the years, so mm-hmm. I don't play with that. But even with the clothes, like you just need to be careful who you're giving your stuff to because I've just learned that people just do not respect your stuff like that. Can you give me two? I want two instances of things that people have taken and they have not returned. You don't have to call it. Come on, it's the finale. We need a little bit. Of, we need a little energy. For the violence. No, it's not violence. No, it's not violence. It's not. Violence. You say you're not assertive. You say you're not assertive. Let me teach you today how to be assertive. Give me two instances. If they hear it and they know themselves, I don't know. But like the rest of us don't know what you're talking about. So come on, give us context. Right. Um. Hmm. Or just yeah, like general... my my um. This may sound. This may seem small to people, but I've I've had. I keep my stuff for a very long time, and I had this um headphone jack that um I've had with my Scarlet Two I Two for years, mm-hmm. like six years. So if, I don't even know it's been years. Mm-hmm. I come to Nigeria. I haven't been up. I haven't been here for even up to a year. I go to one recording camp. By the end of it, the thing's gone. And everyone's looking at like looking at you. Wait, like, did you ask for it? Like, did you ask yo, where's my where's this piece of equipment when you were at the camp? The or is it is, like we got home and then you remember like you realized you didn't have it? So let me tell you why I didn't deep that it wasn't there. Because the person basically switched it with another one. So and it, it's a small thing. So uh-huh. I was just thinking the whole time, oh, it's there. Like no one's taking it out. And then like when I get home, when I got home and I tried to like connect my headphones right. to it, right. I realized that the sound was just weird. Right. It was little, like it was touchy. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I now deep like, wait, someone actually switched this thing and like, and it was like one of the one of the people at the recording camp. So, so do you? Okay, so is it safe to say like they, you know, they just genuinely forgot to switch it back, or no. they was no. really like a no. No, so it's giving, it's giving thief. <laughs> yeah, it's giving it's giving, it's giving heavy thief like heavy. Okay. Okay. But you know, God is watching. If you know you took my thing, God is watching you. Is it that camera? God is watching you. <laughs> yeah. So just to quickly, but just add my own two cents, right? That's why I definitely, as someone who is, I mean, I would, I would, I would consider myself generous. Like I'm, I'm the type of person, like yo, if I, if I know that something that I have that you're asking me for would like benefit what you're doing, I used to have no issue giving it, like letting someone borrow my stuff. So I also moved to Lagos and realized that. If you don't care about your things, 
than be borrowing it out. If it's something you don't care about or something like you're giving, you, you don't have any intention of returning it back, sure, by all means, be Father Christmas. I'm not Father Christmas no more, okay? I've had very... Vi- I'm I'm someone like you who I can keep my thing well. Like, I'm the yeah. type of person... But I'm the type of person, if my boots cut, I'll go and look for them to go and sew my boots. Yeah. I, I, I keep my things for years because I'm like, yo, I understand the value of the money I'm using to buy this thing or acquire mm-hmm. this thing. I don't have no rich parents. I don't got no rich uncle somewhere. I don't got no sponsor. No brand is sponsoring me. Everything you see me with, I shall you know, hustle to get that thing, right? Legitimately. Mm-hmm. So if if I if I spend my money to buy something, I would take care of it. Yeah. Exactly. Thank God that my parents taught me, you know, the value of, you know, maintaining things and keeping things. I learned that from both my mother and my father, right? Mm-hmm. So you come, like you said, you you were living in your London, all like you was living in the UK. You had that thing for all the time you had it. The minute you come to Nigeria, not even <laughs> not even ten months. Yeah, the thing's gone. Right? Go so like I don't blame you for having that type of like so I, it's not mm-hmm. even selfish. It's not selfish. It's not, it's not selfish. And it's, it's not stingy either. It's being wise, right? Yeah. Wisdom is is experiencing things and then taking takeaways from those things so that when you come across maybe that same obstacle again, you move mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. So if you know that if you, you went to a recording camp and they took your connector and they didn't give it back to you, next recording camp, you're going to freaking write your name all over the thing or you're going to go and put a chain on it and come and chain it to your chair so nobody will take it or Burn. you just don't well, offer don't it to use your, don't, don't bring it at all. Yeah. Because people do take the piss. I've also had like valuable things or things that were important to me just like mishandled. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like if you if you bring it up or like you make mention of how this thing is affecting you that you don't like. Yeah, the they're not be gaslighting you. You're, 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 you're taking it too, too much. Can't I just buy another one? If anybody ever told me if they spoil my thing, is it not just for me to buy another one? I will block that Bring person. The money I'll never now. talk to you again because that's very <laughs> nasty. I don't, I, I hate that thing. Because yeah. it's just showing, it, it shows how you don't value something. It's like, well, is it, is, it, is it not just 5K? Can't I just give you 5K? No. It's the, it's the importance and yeah. the sentimental value of the thing that you mishandled and that you lost or that you broke. It's not by giving me your 5K as if I can't go and get 5K by myself. Like, bro, no. So, girl, as an artist, keep your mic, keep your laptop, keep your sounder, whatever things that you're coming, don't give to nobody is fine. As they're all doing competition in this industry, you also compete. Keep your stuff by yourself. Survival of the fittest. Anyway, I digress. Kez, um, I just went on the tangent, but it's allowed. Actually, it's not allowed because we don't even have time. (laughs) It's fine. Let's get into it. Now, I, as someone who works at Acorn, mm-hmm. you already, I would hope you know the drill. I'm going to ask you a very important question. Mm-hmm. Yellow or white? White. I thought you were going to be my guy, but apparently you're not my guy today. I'm sorry, it's but wait, fine. can I sit? You can wait. sit down, David. You can watch the sound. Why, why, why? We're not too wait, loud. can I say something? Go yeah. Ahead. Like, all my years mm-hmm. of growing up, I've only ever known Yellow Gary to be forever. So I don't understand where this thing, like what happened? Yeah. Are the times hard? Did, my, did, my did, did the pandemic cause this? I've had my Gary preferences all day because all her life, the normal way of drinking is white. So those of us that don't use whites, <laughs> we're not like, every, we're, we're not as, we're not as great as white Gary. But drinkers. is it not harder? I don't know about if it's harder, if it's softer. I don't know. It just tastes better. I'm not, that's not good. If I have my way season three, we only have yellow and yellow. If you don't even like yellow Gary, don't even come here, bro. Keep keep mm. yourself at your house. Mm. But it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay. So, as we know that you drink white Gary, what do you supplement the white Gary with? Just Gary and sugar. I don't even do the milk. Like, I really don't do the milk thing. Do you do granites? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's calm. Okay. Wow. Mm. It's fine. It's okay. So, I want to know a little bit about 
your first exposure to Gary, I always just, I always use the starting point of my Gary conversation to like attach it to school. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can start from talking about your academic background. And if that's not where you were supposed, first exposed to Gary, you can tell mm-hmm. me if it was in your house, in your auntie's house. I don't know. But like, I give you the floor to briefly give us um, your first experience with Gary and then kind of segue into your academic career and then we get into it. Okay, I'm going to try to figure out how I can link both. But, but with the whole Gary thing, like, um, we've just always, like, me and my sisters just grew up, like, drinking Gary because, like, our mom always, like, had it around the house. Okay. And my mom used to do this weird thing when we were little, like, she used to, like, make Gary mm-hmm. and, like, put bare water in, like, sugar and everything, like, proper fill it up. Then she'll put it in the fridge and keep for ages. Then when it's cold, like, she'll, like, just pour out the water and drink the water and leave the Gary on its own. Like, I don't know, like... That is... I don't want to say strange. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's interesting. It's strange. Did you me. ever ask her why she does it? No, because she used to eat ice cubes as well. So I was just like, bro, the case is different. So she just drank Gary water. Yeah. She didn't tell you if there's any medicinal properties to this. Nope. Like, any sentimental... Nope. No nope. nostalgia, no nothing. No, nope. it never caught on for me, but like I just knew that she used to do that as a thing. But I've always liked Gary. Like it's just been a been a good go to. Okay, it's been okay. a good go to. Were you born in Nigeria? No, so I was born in uh, Croydon, London, oh. South London. In it, babe. Okay, you're born in yeah. London. Yes, yeah, so I was born in I was born in South London. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived there till till I was fourteen. Okay, then I moved back to Nage in 2010 because so summary my dad died in 2003 then my mom died in 2010 so when my mom died me and my younger sisters moved back to Nigeria in 2000 moved back to Abuja moved to Abuja that was my first time living in Nigeria for that period of time because when we were little um, like much younger Mm -hmm. our parents sent us back to Nigeria for like three months because you know the typical story are you a bad child? I wasn't a bad child maybe I was stubborn you look like he was bad you look reformed Yes. You look reformed. You give off reformed vibes. Reformed? But I wasn't extreme. I was never extreme. Extreme just, enough for them to send you to Nigeria for three months. No, no. I was just like your typical gobby. Like, What's gobby mean? Like, okay, so that's like, I guess that's I like a that British word. UK slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, mean? when someone's gobby, that's like, when someone's gobby, like the person's like, they talk back. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you're disrespectful. Am I putting you on the spot? I mean, I... Yeah, so I think I was disrespectful when I compare how I how I became when I moved mm-hmm. um, into Abuja in 2010. Okay. Yeah, when I moved to Abuja, that patterned me up like proper. So when you when you came for those three months, where were you staying? Um, I was in. So we were little. Yeah, this was like I don't even know what year this was. Maybe mm-hmm. like 2002, 2001. Mm-hmm. We're little, so they sent us to Kaduna for three months, and they sent us to like some random school. So you only did one term of school. In Nigeria? No, no, no. So that was the first time. Oh. Then when we now when we now moved back in 2010, mm-hmm. me and my young sisters, I did SS1 to SS3 mm-hmm. in Abuja. And then um, I spent like an extra two years in, in, in ABJ before I moved back to London. Okay, so uh, hold on. Go back to the Kaduna three months. Mm-hmm. You, so you only went to school for a, a term at that time and then left. Yeah, I, I don't know what the full backstory was, but I do remember... Like someone saying something like, ah, our mom couldn't be without us for too long. So she had to bring us back. So Aww. shout out to mommy. And <laughs> may and I, I would love to, you know, just. <laughs> Death is a very yeah touchy. First of all, may your, may your mother, may your father Thank rest you. in Amen. peace. 
Um, and the fact that you're here and like since I've met you, you've been pretty bubbly. I'm not. I mean, I've only met you recently. I don't know yeah. your life story. But, like you've mm-hmm. been a pretty like bubbly mm-hmm. happy person and that's that's hard to do when you move back from the from outside and you come here and you're trying to navigate this place and you mm-hmm. don't know your left from your right like it can mm-hmm. get it can get dark mm-hmm. sometimes i'm a, i'm that. a testimony of it being very low periods of you know trying to hustle and like staying in lagos and not you know try to run back to yeah. you know america or something mm-hmm. like that so mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know you that well, but you give off very positive and very good energy. Thank so, you. like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like, your parents are very proud of you. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So that's that's really dope. I wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. So now, let's go back to you. Do your three months since? I don't mm-hmm. know if that reformed you. I don't know if that changed Not your life. I I didn't think it. it I didn't do think anything. it would. I don't think you was here long enough for it to do anything. Yeah, it didn't do anything. You go back. You come back, mm-hmm. and you a senior secondary. Student. Yeah. All right. Give me mm-hmm. a brief overview of your secondary school experience. Yeah. So I went to school at Woja. I went to a Christian school called Royal, Fam- Royal Family Academy, which was also, thank you, which was also, um, it was also like, it's a, it's a part of a church okay. that my family were, I don't know, are running. If okay. That's the best way to put it. Okay. okay. So it was like family and church going on okay. and everything. So. First year, SS1, it was just about trying to adjust into like the setting right. and like also trying to like get used to being around people that, that, I don't know, I, I'm sure you experienced this. Like, you know, when you first come back to Nigeria, everyone's like, oh, who do you think you're speaking for, for? That kind of thing. Girl, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I, had, I had years of that, not even from like my classmates. My classmates were calm mostly, but like, mm-hmm. maybe like some teachers at a point. Or maybe well, why would some it be teachers. the teachers that be bullying? No, they they didn't bully me. They never bullied me. But you know how like you know how it is now. Sometimes they even like they don't even like mean like to do you bad or anything. But it's just like sometimes they're being playful. But you know, I don't know. You just giving them a uh, grace because why is the teacher mocking your accent? Like, what's their business with that? You, I would assume it'd be your peers who you have that issue, not your elders who should be teaching you and like enriching you and advancing you in life and they're like kind of your temporary guardians when you go to school. They're the ones telling you you're speaking for them for them. What's their bloody I mean, business with how you're speaking to them? I think it was just like, because this is just what we see as well like in Nigerian culture now. They, they will banter about it and some people may not know how to handle it and like take it to heart but I think like because I spent like years here, mm-hmm. after a while it just became a thing of they're going to say it regardless and you two like, you kind of have to learn to see the banter side of it or mm-hmm. else you're just going to keep getting like upset about it and keep getting sad. And I feel like when I first, like when I first moved to like Abuja in 2010, when like, when people would say that, when some aunties would say that, because aunties used to say, like aunties used to say heavy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to like get upset. And after a while, I was just like, and so, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? Like change my accent so Facts. that you will feel comfortable. But like, it just became a thing of, okay. Yeah. Okay, so you do SS1 to SS3, then you go back mm-hmm. to the UK. Yes. Yeah, or so you say you said you stayed two extra years here. Yeah, yeah. So I did SS1 to SS3. Then when I graduated, um, I I did SATs because my family wanted me to go to America for a bit. But, okay, I, but okay. I ended up not going. Um, but then I also spent some time doing um, the Nigerian Teen's Choice Awards because I was on the committee for that. The Nigerian Teen's Choice Awards. What is that? So... It's basically Nigerian Nigerian Teen's Choice Awards is basically 
um, we have like different, we had like different categories. We have like the music category. There's like influencer categories. Uh, Wait, does this award still happen now? No, it doesn't. And I, I wish it did. It's a national award. Like it's nationally recognized. Yeah, yeah. So it actually started in Abuja. Okay. The, um, My friend, Nelson. Shout out to Nelson. He does see this. He started it. So he, he had been doing it for some years, way before I even like jumped on and mm-hmm. jumped on the committee. Mm-hmm. And it started in Abuja. Then eventually, um, I think they did like two years in Lagos, then it stopped. I'm not sure why it stopped, but I was out of the country when it did stop. And um, it was quite, it was, it was such a cool space, a, a really cool space to network, really cool space to like, to just like be around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. But it was it was really popping at that time, like in AVJ Shah. Okay. I know that because it was mostly like, concentrated in ABJ Lagos guys were not like messing with it like that as much because it was just like okay it's an ABJ thing and I understand but I you know I think that's why he he did try to like bring it to um, Lagos mm-hmm. I don't know how I went afterwards but I know that there were a few influencers here mm-hmm. that won mm-hmm. and I still see like from time to time people put in like their bio like 2016 or 2015 right, winner right. or whatever so yeah okay so where you, you where'd you go to uni? So I did my undergrad in Derby, which is like East Midlands in England. Okay. Um, I did international relations and journalism with international relations and diplomacy with journalism. Okay. Yeah. And then I did my master's. I finished my master's last September. I did that in London. I did that in development studies. Yeah. Let me clarify for you because... Baby, I've been running away from school. All you people with masters, I salute y'all because um, I'm not saying I can't be bothered. I probably should be bothered, but not yet. Not yet. Not it's yet. not easy, man. It's not easy. It's and not. with the inflation and how the world is going, mm-hmm. I just salute all y'all that them double degree holders, some triple degree holders. Um, it's not it's not easy. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, without further ado, I would love for you to do me the honor. I'm going to let you go first. I want you to pick up the first fan, read it, okay. and we continue this awesome discussion. Cool, cool. The sacred fans. I was saying to Jess, like, this is the sacred fans. These are my children. Like. Cool, cool. Okay. There's like two things on here. Do I read both of them? Yeah, so yes, the first one do. is probably is context and the next part is the question. Is the okay, question. okay. So the question is, should I read the context as well? Yes, please. So as an independent artist and a woman navigating Nigeria's music industry, what are your biggest challenges when it comes to releasing music? And then the question that follows it, what are some of the reasons behind this decision and what effect, if any, has it had on your mental health? Okay. Let me see. Let me see. There's two questions on one thing. She's actually... Okay, let's just break it down. I will, okay. I will, I will, vex, I will vex off the pot. Um, okay. So as a woman navigating Nigeria's industry, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of your biggest challenges when it comes to, I mean, the, the fans mm-hmm. has releasing music, but then just in general, just being in the industry and navigating the industry. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people talk about how hard it is, but mm-hmm. I actually, I actually shared this story with you. Like, yep, that's why I'm happy that we asked. Yeah. I shared one story with you like months ago, actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where I was talking to you about how, so when I moved here, I started producing my own stuff and getting into production. And I, I remember like the early days of me like learning to produce and me like getting into production and making progress I remember being in a space with some guys and I was, and they were playing one of them was playing like my beat mm-hmm. and everything and then um, he playfully said to his other guy like ah like see what Kez is doing like can you do this 
And you can tell this guy kind of snapped. The, the other guy snapped by like, ah, mm-hmm. I can do this in my sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, like what is it like? And you you can tell there's a way he snapped at you that you can tell it wasn't based on. It was patronizing. Yeah, it was. It was more like this. Like it's just a babe that's producing. Right. Basically, I can right. do this in my sleep. Right. Do you right. know what I'm saying? And I I feel like I feel like. I've probably like sensed that energy multiple times since I've been, you know, around certain spaces in regards to like my production. And um, I understand that, it, I understand it's because we don't have many female producers as well in um, Nigeria, but then like we so obviously see women just do not get the same respect in like the industry, music industry, even with like our crafts mm-hmm. and with the time and energy we put in. Right. They're always so shocked when we're doing better than like what <laughs> what they expected or what is like the general space that you'll find like guys in. So if you're doing better than the guy's like, wow, and she's a babe. I'm a human being. Like I have the same abilities. So right. why why can't I do these things? And why can't I do it better? Like if I if I want to, I can and I will. So I think the challenge, I think there's just always this um, need, not for me, mm-hmm. but there's just always this um, overall need in the space for like women to like prove themselves when it comes to their gifts and when it comes to the things yeah. um, that they do. I'm just, I'm grateful to God that I me, mean, I don't care. Like whether you like my stuff or not, or whether you think I'm popping or not on your own. Like I know I put in the work, so. <laughs> okay, so I have, a, I have a few questions based on what you said, mm-hmm. right? The first question I want to ask is, um, you said you started producing when you moved to Nigeria. Properly, yeah, consistently. Okay, what made you um, make the decision to start producing more consistently once you moved here? Yeah, so, okay, so when I first moved here, like, I I met amazing producers, amazing producers. All of them were, were, were guys, actually. Mm-hmm. But I met amazing producers and they were making really cool stuff and they were making stuff that sounded lovely, but... One of the major reasons why I moved back to Nigeria was to refine my sound and to like understand what I'm doing better with myself. And this was the best space for me based on the fact that I've lived here before, based on the fact, based on the relationships I have here mm-hmm. and just the environment. It was going to help refine what I needed to do. Okay. And I, I didn't have a clear idea of where I was going, but I, I knew what I didn't want to do and I knew what I didn't want to sound like. Okay. And so what was happening was when I was working with different producers, they were making amazing stuff, but they were not. it was not clicking with where I was going. Was and not, you would tell them the sound direction you were going in before they would make the beats for you? Or you just tell them, yo, give me your hottest stuff? Like I, The thing is, I, I, I didn't always um, say, okay, make me this, make me that. But what I did notice is that they were all giving me the same type of beat, mm-hmm. which is this kind of, it was just heavily like poppy, mm-hmm. But it was like obviously Afro poppy and just very. I don't know if you're trying to dodge it. Were you saying that they were giving you like beats? Uh, do you feel like the fact that you're a woman played a factor in the into the type of beats these producers would give you? Yeah, and also like maybe their perception of me as a, um as a person. Okay, which I can understand because everything I have put out before I moved here mm-hmm. did not fully reflect like what I wanted to do and did not reflect um, the vision I have. Okay. I had and I still have for okay. myself. Okay. And so 
I didn't really have anything to work with. And because I hadn't like properly started producing, I didn't have anything to really show and be like, oh, mm-hmm. this is what I wanted. But I also understood from just moving around and networking with people, you know, especially when I actually got into production, I understood that people were not, um, uh, some, some producers were not doing um, the production where I wanted, the way I wanted to. So I'm big on like, I'm big on like baselines and the way I, you know, I do them and mm-hmm. the feel I want to create around them and just, there's a certain vibe that I wanted um, to go for. You know, the whole um, idea of my sound is this whole audio therapy thing, mm-hmm. right? And the beats I, I was getting were not aligning to that. Mm-hmm. And so it just made more sense to to begin to create these things, no matter how trash I was I was at the beginning. It made sense to begin to make something so it has something to show. Mm-hmm. My my original plan was that, okay, let me make these beats, right? No matter how trash they are. So I'm going to show them and be like, okay, can we work with this? Can we start on this? Mm-hmm. But then I just realized that the more I was doing it, the more I was able to refine and define this thing that By I was yourself. working exactly that I was working towards. Okay. So, you know, that just kind of helped the journey. And okay, okay, that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. I the context behind why you started producing more consistently is because you weren't seeing what exactly. you needed. It wasn't because exactly. maybe you was like you didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because you, um, I don't know, maybe you're moving to Nigeria and like people are just being difficult. You just Mm. didn't see, like they couldn't get what you were trying to achieve. Exactly. Exactly. That's fine. Mm -hmm. The second question I want to ask you is the, the, the men, the, the producers you're with in the studio that day where they were, where the guy was like, ah, why are you, is it not just something I can just close my eyes and do, right? Mm -hmm. They were guys, right? Yeah. Were they known producers? No. Okay, so they were emerging producers. Yeah. They, they still are like emerging, I would say. Okay. Okay. No problem. Okay, so that's challenge one. I mean, I'm imagining too, you said. I don't think it's, I don't think it's shit. I'm about to tell you, oh, tell me what their catalog is so I can start di- dissecting if they're considered emerging or not. Like, whatever. That's, that's, that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. So a challenge is you being in male dominated spaces and then, um, men patronizing you. Yeah. Right? Because of yeah. the fact that you're a woman and, and you're now in their space and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're, they're kind of shocked when they see that you actually can produce, you know, well, yeah. right? Okay, what's another challenge that you face? Um, give me, give me two more. In that, it's going to sound, it's, in, this, I know, this might sound crazy, but because I do a lot of stuff by myself right now, mm-hmm. my challenges are not as much. If it's like, maybe like a money challenge, because as an, as an independent artist, you're always trying to get money together, yeah. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, because I do a lot of stuff by myself mm-hmm. and because my team's very small and mm-hmm. we're very effective, mm-hmm. it makes, it's, it's made the, um, the progress so far mm-hmm. easier. And I'm very grateful for that because I know it's not the same for, for so many other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think overall, it's not been too mad. I'm not saying that it's not coming. I know I'm already anticipating some right. mad, mad, crazy behavior. Right. Right. And oh, maybe I shouldn't like skip on this. Maybe I skipped on this because it happens so often. But, you know, as a, as a woman in the music industry, you're always going to have guys try to go uh, mix, you know, just not be professional. <laughs> Deviate from the thing you came there to. Exactly. Yeah. And that, I mean, that happens a lot. Okay. And I guess that's why I didn't mention it because I just felt like it was a normal thing, but it shouldn't be normal. It shouldn't be normal at all. Right. So I'm happy yeah. that you mentioned it. It is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And 2022 is still a challenge. Um, and every time you have the opportunity to talk about it, like even though it's in the back of your mind, oh, it happens so frequently that it's not yeah. even a problem no more. No, keep saying it. So mm-hmm. that one day, 
you'll be converting them one by one. That they'll say, ah, maybe mm-hmm. I should stop trying to wield my power and wield over my dynamic and the fact that I'm yeah. a man over this person to get something that's not your business getting from somebody. So keep mentioning yeah. that. Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Now, before I pick up the fan, I actually want to say that it's interesting that you... I think the normal the normal answer that you'd expect from people to say, if you ask that challenge question, they have like a mm-hmm. lot of challenges to state. Yeah. So it's actually really cool that you don't have that many challenges to state because mm-hmm. I think you're working smartly, right? So you yeah. have a, a close-knit, very small team. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know the level of artistry that you're at at the moment. You don't mm-hmm. require like a 50-person team. Yeah. You don't need to be carrying debt on your head or be doing anything for like mm-hmm. that you don't have to be doing because you're pretty self-sufficient yeah. and you know your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're a singer, you're a songwriter, you self-produce. So mm-hmm. you're like a, like this machine that can pump and work mm-hmm. on its own at the level that you're at. So I think even with that, the teachable thing in that is sometimes you'll see emerging artists who'll be looking for a manager, be looking for all these things. And it's like, yeah. bro, I don't think you need that at this point right now. Like, yeah. I'm not saying you don't need pe- someone to look out for you in, you know, the emerging stage that one may be at. Mm-hmm. But like, sometimes people will be asking for stuff that's like way above... I feel kind of I feel a way saying this because like maybe it's not questioning what how somebody somebody views themselves like someone can view themselves as this really super talented artist mm-hmm. that needs a ten person team even though they don't have a hit song or like they haven't even put out a body of work right but no I think it just comes down to like misplaced priorities they should focus on their craft and yeah. not trying to get X yeah, yeah but then telling someone not to look for a manager like you have people that will tell you from the get go you need a manager and then there's some people that will say. You're not big enough to be needing a manager. Like mm-hmm. nobody's booking for anything. No one is. You're still having. You're still in a very collaborative phase. Yeah, it comes on self awareness, to be honest. Self awareness is, is, sure. is, is looking for someone to protect your interests. Initial self awareness. No, you, you know when it's. When it's you know time. when it's necessary. You know when yeah. it's time. You know when How it's do time. You know? Okay, you producers here. When do you know it's time to start building your team? Okay, I mean, okay. Let me say for when. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here's the so, thing. It was a graduate well, thing. Well, maybe the sound engineer says from the jump. Right? For me, it was, you know, from when I realized, oh, wait, this thing they told me two years ago is a lie. <laughs> These guys have been playing me. Okay, I need to start building the team. So are you saying the day you're at your own eye clear, that's when you you know you need a manager? That's when I know, not, not that I need a manager, but I need to start, like, building. Because even then, like, like now I work with, you know, some A&Rs and, you know, some some people that can give me advice every now and then, but I don't have a manager manager because I don't, I know I don't, requ- I don't require that yet. So you can negotiate a split on a song by yourself? That's where I, I pull somebody in. Is that person not your manager? He's not my, not my manager. It's a friend I have in the industry that can, you know. Do you give this friend commission if he successfully helps you negotiate a song and the song actually comes out? Do you pay the person? They don't ask. They don't ask, so you, because they don't ask, you don't pay them. Cause you're okay. Saying. So let me explain when it comes <laughs> to that. Understand. Okay, so here it's not it's not even a thing of sometimes that they, you know, and not asking thing. A lot of the time, it's a collaboration of we have an understanding that we're we're investing in each other to go to that place. Bear in mind, Kosi Kosi is just as valuable as the person. Like Kosi is giving that person as well something. Do you know what I'm saying? It may not be money, but Kosi's... Can we ask Kosi what he's giving? What What is the benefit that that person is getting from helping you negotiate um, splits on songs or negotiate your rights and you're not paying them? What benefit are they getting? Because they have 
artists that they might work with that they work with from time to time. So that would that would need your production services? Yeah, or something. So you you you'd give them free production. No, not free production, not free production. But, but this person is giving you free business advice. Ah, let me not talk on crazies or no. This this is this is a conversation that we don't have time, so we can speak about this after. But like, okay, because no, no, no. I know for me, for example, mm-hmm. like, okay, let me say one of my recent collaborations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This person gave me a verse, but I didn't give them money. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them production skills in, in exchange, right? Production skills are production. So. Yeah, so a beat, mm-hmm. but also, I guess, skills in the sense that if they wanted to learn something as well, mm-hmm. I can also offer those skills. So you believe their verse was that valuable, that you'll give them a free beat and then teach them how to, like, to enhance I mean, their I, own production? So the the contract, I think, really states that I will give them a beat. But prior to um, prior to actually signing the contract and before the person gave me a verse, mm-hmm. we, um, the person did say um, production skills. Okay. And the person is really good, extremely good. Mm-hmm. So I even second guess it, like, of course. So I feel like this, there are situations like that where it's like a favor for a favor mm-hmm. rather than, you know, money. And like, I guess that's what collaboration is. That is so, different. Artist to artist is Jess, different than artist. We might want to get to the next fan. Don't worry, I'll get to the next fan. And if you mm-hmm. don't reach the fan, then F the fan. Um, artist to artist mm-hmm. collaboration is different from non-artist to artist. True, 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 true. What do I benefit giving people or giving emerging artists like a bunch of, you know, advice that maybe because of just on the field experience I've mm-hmm. I've I've gained mm-hmm. and then the millions and millions of hours of YouTube documentaries and articles that I've read that that artist mm-hmm. doesn't want to go read or the mm-hmm. artist, they, they think they don't have time to read. Mm-hmm. But I've, I condense it for you and then re- like, okay. and then summarize it for you. So, the person in addition... Wait, I thought, we, I thought we had to go to the next fan, Kosi. <laughs> go ahead. The floor is yours. In addition to, you know, them working with artists, they also do things outside music that I'm able to help them with from time to time. Like what? Um, Some... Because they work on sound stuff as well. Okay. So, if I... If they need someone to help record this thing that mm-hmm, they're doing mm-hmm. for, maybe a podcast or mm-hmm, voiceover mm-hmm, or... Mm-hmm. You I do feel it. In, yeah. yeah. You do it for free. Yeah, I wouldn't ask for like sometimes dude, dude might you know give me some some uh some cash mm-hmm. from it, but I'm not really tripping about the cash because you know he's helped me do this and mm-hmm. do that and like get this bit together. Okay, well, it comes from two producers' mouth. All I know is this industry seems like a ticking time bomb because <laughs> I mean I'm happy you said in your situation you have a contract of mm-hmm. the exchange of services you're going to provide. Yeah, I think just yesterday they was um talking about it on Twitter Spaces about um Asha and P Prime and Temple mm-hmm. serving yeah. them an injunction or a cease and desist on 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 continuing to promote like two songs off Asha's album with one of them being the IDG yeah. song, like the biggest song on that project. So all this, oh, do the collaboration, oh you do, I do, I do. Y'all can be doing it, just be careful as you're doing it. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, but let me pick up the next fan. Okay. Uh, for those of us who may not know you, mm-hmm. um, who is Kezia Malam and how would you describe your sound? I think you already started mm-hmm. to talk about it in previous yeah, fans, but um, like the floor is yours for this, for this question. Okay. So Kezia Malam is a singer, songwriter, um, producer. Kezia Malam, say that again. Mm-hmm. So Kezia Malam is a singer, songwriter, producer. Um, I play a little bit of guitar too. 
And um, my, I feel like the base of my sound, you know, the genesis of my sound is R&B and soul. That's where I really started growing from. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, I've just kind of like fused a bunch of different things. I've always been like a bit touchy about putting the genre to it because I just sometimes don't know. <laughs> oh, you all, all of you artists. Oh, I don't have this. No, do you know what? It's name. not even that. Name me. See, name do, do you know what? We can't be selling you when we want to go and defend you in label <laughs> meeting. We can't be saying, yeah, this is really dope artist. She doesn't have a genre though, but like, yeah, she's really talented. So what, what do we see on Apple genre? Music? Um, oh, Apple Music right now says worldwide. And the, no, but that's a sucky, no, that's yeah, even horrible. Okay. That, no, but wait, I don't even wait, like that. wait, wait, let me justify. Let me okay. justify. Because, okay. you know, like I said, I started with the whole heavy R&B. Like, mm-hmm. if you go to, like, every song I've dropped before this year, mm-hmm. it's straight R&B. Okay. Maybe, like, some Afrofusion, but it's just mostly R&B. You can hear the R&B and it's clear cut. And the thing about R&B is as much as I love it, I think I got, I started to get um, bored because I felt like I was being repetitive when it came to R&B. Okay. And, um... I was also very conscious of the fact that I wanted to do more than this, but I was limiting myself because, again, I wasn't producing my stuff. Right. Right? Right. Now, because I'm producing my stuff, I have to be very honest with you and say, sometimes I don't know what I'm making. Sometimes I'm just making stuff based on what feels good and what feels right. So when someone says to me, oh, what genre is this? I'll say to you, well, mm, I really like um, the wah-wah guitars that you hear in funk, so I threw that in, but it's not funk. But I really, And I really like... Um, how D'Angelo, you know, structures his stuff with, with you know, his R&B and soul. Mm-hmm. But I know that this is not, this is not R&B or this is not just soul. Yes, it can, it, it may be, it may heavily lean towards the soul, mm-hmm. but it's not just that thing. So it, it always puts me in a weird space because, you know, I'm just like, wait, what if I say it's this? And then someone's like, well, as a music um, professional, whatever, I don't, you know, I don't think it's just because this element is here or this element's there. Right. So my my aim really is to keep growing so that I will get to the point one day where I'll say, okay, this is what I make. Okay. I'll say, yeah, exactly. Okay, so I do... So first of all, your explanation is beautiful. I You defended yourself extremely well. Like, if you were in a meeting with execs, I think you held yourself down very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I would like to craft my response because how I said, oh, you should name yourself. I understand, right? Especially mm-hmm. in this day and age. Everybody is genre bending and jumping into this genre and picking from this genre and adding from this genre and doing from this genre. I get that, right? Mm-hmm. Now is a beautiful time to be a fusion artist, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody is gatekeeping. This is what country supposed to sound like. This is what R and B supposed to sound like. If you don't yeah. sound like this, da, 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 I get that, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd be scared when someone asks that question. So says, the first thing they say is they don't know the genre they make. Mm-hmm. It would be a stronger argument if you said, "Well, I don't really fall into one genre." But these are the genres that I pull from yeah, a lot. Like okay. that would be the easiest thing. Like if because mm-hmm. I'll whenever I talk to artists, I don't know why I do this because it's not like I'm I'm not an artist manager no more. I don't have any desire to, to be one. Mm-hmm. I'm not even in the music in, like my job is not really that music industry focused anymore. Um, I'm always thinking like if you were in a label exec meeting or if you were in a if you were in a meeting with music stakeholders, would you be able to defend yourself? Mm-hmm. I feel like if I was going to be a, a music manager in my next life. If I if an artist wants me to come and help manage them and they cannot yeah, defend them, so I'm not talking. Don't I, I cannot manage that. you. I cannot. I don't want to be mm-hmm. somebody. I I need somebody who is sharp, who can explain what they're doing, mm-hmm. who can explain from a technical standpoint. You don't have to be like. It's not like you have to have gone to school for it, but I yeah. need people that can stand on their own two feet. Because if mm-hmm. I was an artist, I would make sure that even if I had a manager, I'd be able to defend myself and stand on my two feet, yeah, and true, nobody. True. 
push me anywhere. If you say, if any question you give me, I should be able to at least respond, like answer it. And if I don't mm-hmm. know it, there's a way you have to train and like, you know, I don't know. What, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm saying no, what no, I'm saying makes very sense. Valid, very valid. Um, so no, you defended mm-hmm. yourself well, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. just if someone asks you, I'm talking about any artist, not even just you, because like, mm-hmm. I don't have a particular genre I I resonate with, but I pull from here, 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 yeah. here, here, because mm-hmm. I do believe that when you say you're in a specific genre, that also boxes you in, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of y'all artists don't want to be boxed in in 2022 <laughs> in this day and age. Everybody wants to say. I'm here. Don't put me in this box. Don't mm-hmm. box me. I understand that, right? Yeah. And I know if you say R&B now, maybe someone will not be judging your music with R&B ear when you that's unfair saying. to you. Yeah. So I, I get that. I get that. I get yeah. that. Okay, no, but so, what you said is very valid. Like, I love what you said just now about actually being sure to like name the influences because mm-hmm. like you said, then at least pro- provides a guideline that shows that you two, you have some kind of direction. Yeah, You're not you just, have a di- Girl, you know like this thing so you want to get to the point where you haven't know what you're doing. You know what mm-hmm. you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. What you're doing right now doesn't have no technical name. Yeah. But you know what you're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Even yeah. in this season of your life, you know mm-hmm. what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So just find creative ways to like explain it to, to anyone who yeah. asks you. That's, that, that, that's, that's what I think that makes just sense. Just masterclass. Don't do that. See? And this and then they don't want me to do it for free. They don't want, they don't want to pay. They'll say because they're emerging artists. Collaboration. Because you love my collaboration. Let's collaborate. Let me give you my brain in exchange for a song that I will not even get to play from. You will not even pay me. No, you will not even do anything. But that's besides the point. Okay, so now. You said you were doing straight straight R and B before yeah. this year or before you moved to Nigeria. Yeah, so before I moved to Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. So did you feel influenced to have to make? Did you feel? Did you feel like you had to change your sound when you moved to Nigeria because you were coming to Nigeria, or you was already going to change your sound even if you didn't move to Nigeria? Just at that twenty twenty one where you decided to move. I don't know if the question makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I get what you're saying. Okay. When I first moved here, I think I was actually trying to change and trying to like conform and just make it Afro something mm-hmm. because uh, I'm in Nigeria. Right. But that's not the reason why I moved here. I didn't move here to make some, to make it Afro, mm-hmm. whatever. I mm-hmm. moved here to refine and grow. And right. I, I believe that this is the best place for me to do this for multiple reasons. Okay. Um. So I think when I became, because I was trying to conform to a sound, mm-hmm. the first few months was just very I'll, I'll say my music then was weak <laughs> like the was first someone few months. telling you to conform or you you put that pressure on yourself I to put conform. that pressure on myself okay. I put that pressure on myself and I feel like a lot of people who are thinking of like being here for music or whatever put that pressure on their, on themselves too right. which is so wrong because actually you just get lost in the wave of things Facts. and the thing about doing um anything afro i believe that if you first of all you have to be really good nigerians are exceptional exceptionally talented people right just mm-hmm. yes, why are you smiling like that i'm laughing because i'm so happy you said that because somebody will be in the diaspora making their own version of afro pop or afro and think they can contend with those of with with people like mikhail that's on ground Do you get what i'm saying no see i'm saying my friends anyone that knows me knows like when I don't like to go into that conversation too much because I get mm-hmm. angry because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like what I see a lot of time is like guys in diaspora or they see um, Afro pop popping and so they're like me too I want to do it mm-hmm. and they're not even taking time to connect to the culture they don't know anything all they know is jollof rice and gele and whiskey and that thing vexes my entire okay. life <laughs> that, hey, is too that thing vexes my entire life and I understand that I have a level of privilege based on the fact that, okay, I lived here, I did high school here mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, 
you know, ingrained into the society based on, you know, my time here. I mm-hmm. understand that. But even even when I went back and even while I was here, I was intentional, intentional about being, you know, taking out the culture for myself because this is home. This is, right. you know, this is me too. So I hate it. It's very disgusting to me. Catch yourself if, if you're abroad and you're trying to jump into Afrobeats and you're thinking, eh, it's just to do... It's just to do something repetitive and whatever and you'll blow like that because, oh, you have accent and you're coming from Jan. No, it doesn't work like that. And there's too many exceptionally talented people here and I'm so happy that I moved back here because it was another reminder to me that you should you should stick in what you're good at and do it very well and stand out in that thing that you are very good at and not try to be someone else because you will fail. Right. So, yeah. So, do you believe people have to move back to Nigeria if they want to do music? No, it's not for everyone. I know why I came here. Okay. I, in fact, I wouldn't... Okay, so wait. What mm-hmm. do you what what do you tell the diaspora artists that want to do Afro pop that they they Afro pop is not Afro popping enough? They, should they not move back here to in, in immerse themselves in 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 the culture? I don't, I don't know if I should say Nigerian culture or Lagos culture because you is when you move to Lagos apparently mm-hmm. that's the hub of the music mm-hmm. industry. So mm-hmm. d- should they not move to Lagos and try to you know? meet with producers and meet with like talented songwriters and meet with, you know, different celebrities and try to fans them so they too can get a feature or they too can get, you know, one of them to to give them pointers on how to make music. Okay, so if you're going to move back, I I, I would say you need to take you need to consider multiple things. Number one, are you actually hardworking? Like are you hardworking and consistent in what in this thing that you're doing? Because even if you're making trash Afro pop right now, mm-hmm. I feel like moving back to Nigeria and just being here, right? If if you could, if you have the zeal mm-hmm. and you ha- and you want to put in like the consistency, just being here will pattern you up. And you too, maybe in the process, you realize ah, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And the only way the only way you even realize that it's not for you is if you're hardworking enough and consistent enough to even identify that okay, this is not my strong point. Right. Or, and even if I'm putting in the work here, it's not fundamentally the sound that. That I really want, to, I really want to come out of me. I maybe I just did this thing because this is what is popping right now. Right. So yeah, I, I wouldn't say you should move back if you're making one song a month in England okay. or in or in America. Okay. That, you're, that you're moving back to come and find yourself. How? Right. <laughs> like you, you're not working, so it's not going to help. I've heard too many stories of artists where like people wanting to do music, so they come back to Nigeria, and the way they blow, but the type of money they say they have lost. I, or maybe I shouldn't say lost, invested and didn't mm-hmm. see no type of results because people just looked at these people as dollar signs. Like, oh, mm. you coming from America? Okay, don't worry. I'm going to charge you $5 million for something that they're charging those of us who, like, know, like, know the game, mm-hmm. like, maybe a couple hundred thousand for. Mm-hmm. And people will just be blowing money and blowing money yeah. and blowing money. Then they get angry. Then they get resentful. Then they move back and say, yo, Nigeria's like this. No, it's not that no Nigeria's like anything. Yeah, Nigeria does have K-Leg, but, like, you also mm-hmm. came here not on the right standing or yeah. like not not I don't want to say not with the right intention because they had good intentions but like mm-hmm. yeah I think it is something where I'm happy you said that you mm-hmm. have to know are you a hardworking person like yeah. are you ready to really get in the dirt and be yeah. there for as long as possible until that one opportunity comes and lifts you from the dirt and dusts you off and then yeah. you're now saying I'm a refined and I'm mm-hmm. here and I'm a good artist so I guess that makes sense yeah and be self-aware like that's so important don't don't come here as as a mid-artist and expect everything to fall in place because, like I said, oh, you have an accent or even like connection stuff. Like these things don't, they don't mean anything. They've never meant to like, maybe, maybe, maybe I owe them years before. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you have small accent now, people pay attention. But like now 
like I've said before, Nigerian artists are exceptional. If you're coming here as a mid artist and you're expecting to blow because I have accent or you you know a couple of people, I pity you. You're wasting How your do time. you know if you're a mid artist? So I I feel like you need to be self aware. So when I first moved you're here, saying, you say self aware. Okay, so let me Expl- let, let okay, me let me ahead. use my own personal mm-hmm. right. When mm-hmm. I first moved here, right, even before I moved here, I was very conscious of the fact that I was not where. Um, I wanted to be, and I was very conscious of the fact. I was very conscious of what was being made around me. Okay, right. So it's one thing to just listen to yourself and then just judge yourself based on yourself and based on the music that you make. But if you're not listening to what's going on outside and listening to what's being made outside, I'm not. And I'm not saying, oh, just listening, you know, with just um the, a fan's ear, but listening as an artist. Mm-hmm. These things that they're doing, can you do them? Like you, I'm not. But saying that's not like you're too. comparing yourself to other artists. I'm not saying compare. Don't compare. It's not a matter of comparison. I think it's a matter of being conscious, being conscious of the fact that there is there is a standard, right? No, no matter what genre you're doing, there's a standard of excellence that we should at least be touching. Do you know what I'm saying? And when I say standard of excellence, it's, it doesn't look the same for everyone. Okay. I know that, right? Okay. But standard of, uh, standard of excellence can come in the form of maybe you have a certain tone to your voice and that tone is a beautiful tone, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But because because you don't spend as much time um, on it mm-hmm. and you just think that ah, you can just wake up today and just record and then it, it will just bang like that right, or whatever. Right, right. If you're not, if you're not um, self-aware enough to be like, actually, this person, maybe, maybe like another artist has a similar tone to you, but because they spend the time, you can hear the character and like, think of Thames, for example. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that have come out that have sounded similar to Thames or whatever, or they've done, you know, similar sounds or whatever. But I think what makes Thames stand out is the character in her voice. Mm-hmm. And that character comes from excellence because she spent time actually right. singing and actually becoming familiar with her voice and becoming familiar with herself. That's self-awareness. Right. And I think it's so important, like, as an artist to be that self-aware. I don't even know if I'm like the person to really be talking about this, but what I will say is that I'm on that journey still. Mm-hmm. And the the thing, the reason why I believe I'm growing is because when I get to the next stage, I'm not, I'm not thinking I've arrived. I'm always thinking, okay, but how can I make, how can I make my diction as clear as this artist? Or right. how can I bring out that character that this person's bringing, in, you know, to their stuff? And I think that's very important. Mm. So um, just we're out of time. Okay. Like really out of time. Okay. So, sorry. No, no it's fine. It's you fine, apologize fine. for what? It's no, fine. this is this is actually a perfect way to end this season. Yeah, that was perfect. Honestly. Perfect. Landing. I have like fifty other questions to ask you, but I will just ask you off the pod. So okay. we could do song of the week. Okay. Okay. So song of the week. Basically, you tell us mm-hmm. the song is going to play out as the episode fades out. Mm-hmm. Just uh, tell us what you're listening to. Can I say my own song? Girl, yes. Okay. I I had the rule in the beginning that you couldn't, but like, girl, Mm -hmm. say your own song. Thank you. Big up yourself. So, Shago, my song of the week is Real Me by me, Kezia Malam, featuring the queen, S-God. S-God, the body. (laughs) Um, Kezia will definitely look up that song. I already liked it on my Spotify playlist. So once I get in my Uber or my boat or my taxi, I will listen to it on my Spotify. Produced by me. Yeah. See? Look at you, self-sufficient queen. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Kaz, thank you for helping me thank round out so season much. two. Um, it was such an honor to have a woman in this chair as oh, the last episode. Um, I don't know when we're coming back for season three, but I'm gonna go rest. My phone's on DND. Don't disturb <laughs> me. I'm hustling with my other hustles. 
Uh, and yeah, thank you for riding with me for season two. I never would have made it. Shout out to the man upstairs. God, you're the greatest. Um, and without further ado, hopefully you'll hear my voice as loud and as annoying as ever uh, very soon. So without further ado, we are... Oh, let me clap for myself once again. Woo, baby. Let's go. Yeah. 